Good morning, Living Water. I'm going to ask everyone just to stand, and we're going to start out worship with the Christmas song. introduce a new song. It's called God's Love.
Your beauty, your splendor, your glory knows 
Good morning. Good to see all of you here today on this nice, cool, uh, wintry morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Today we're starting a a little short series. It'll go through next week and and even through our Christmas Eve uh, service entitled, For God So Loved. I don't know if you've realized it or not, but even in this crazy time of of uh, season that we're going through, we are still in the middle of Christmas season. Aren't you glad for that? I love Christmas. Uh, I love the lights, being able to drive around and look. I love the time that we get to spend with uh, family and friends. Uh, I love the Christmas gifts. How many of you love Christmas gifts? Two. Well, that was one more than the early service. All right, so I know that... I'm going to have to wake you up here because I know some of you love Christmas gifts more than what we just uh, raised their hands. So, thinking about Christmas gifts, some people love to receive a Christmas gift, some people love to give a Christmas gift, and some people love to give and receive Christmas gifts, okay? So, there's three different categories there, and we're going to find out who's who today. So, if you just love getting gifts... Raise your hand. A couple of you. Thanks for your honesty. We appreciate that. How many of you just love giving gifts? Would you raise your hand? Okay, there's some more. Now, how many of you love giving and receiving of the gifts? All right. So, looked like there was a few more that just loved giving than giving and receiving. The early bunch, there was more that loved giving and receiving. They're a bunch of takers uh, and givers, of course. So, Uh, Thanks for your honesty on that today because we're going to talk about the greatest Christmas gift that's ever been given. You know, when it comes to Christmas gifts, I love giving gifts as long as I don't have to go and purchase that gift myself. If my wife will go take care of the shopping, then I'll give out as many gifts as she wants me to give out, right? But I also love giving gifts to people that, that they don't expect it. Maybe giving them something that they they never thought they would receive. Maybe something that they've wanted and haven't been able to get for themselves and never dreamed that somebody would give it to them. I love giving out those kind of gifts and surprising somebody with it. But what I really hate doing is trying to figure out the perfect gift for that individual that already has it all. They have everything they could want, and yet we still have to go buy a gift for them at Christmas. Anybody else like that? Hate buying for somebody like that? They're so difficult to buy for. What do you get them for Christmas? Now, I want to ask you, how many of you today have a special female in your life that is like that, that you're looking for that perfect gift for them this Christmas season, right? Maybe a wife or a mother or a daughter, somebody like that. And you just don't know what to get them. Well, I'm glad you came today because I'm going to give you a gift idea for that lady in your life that is very difficult to buy for. How about buying her a special gold necklace like one of those right there? Can you see that? Uh, Now, that's a gold necklace, right? These are solid gold necklaces. Uh, I was able to take that picture in Dubois last year and Uh, stood outside the store. There were several shops that were like that. And somebody asked, well, do you know how much those necklaces are? Well, that's one of those gifts. If you have to ask how much they are, you probably can't afford it. And I wasn't about to walk into that store because you know the saying when you walk into a store, if you break it, you what? Buy it. Well, that would be what would happen to me. I'd walk in, something would fall off the shelf, and I would be stuck there forever trying to pay for one of those. So there's you an idea of what to buy that special lady in your life. Uh, Like to see some of those gold necklaces wore to church the week after Christmas. That would be very interesting. Uh, How about uh, any of you ladies have a special guy in your life that you just don't know what to get him? Would you raise your hand? Now look, no hands went up. All the ladies are scared after that. It's like, what do you got for the guys? Well, let me show you what I've got for the guys. Check this out. 
How many of you guys would love to receive that? The 2020 Bugatti, all right? Now, I don't know where you can buy one of these, but what I do know is that that has a sticker price of around $19 million. So for that special guy in your life, looking for that special gift, or maybe it's just me, you've been wondering what to get me for Christmas, I would love to have one of these sitting in my driveway. Now, I would probably sell it because I'd rather have the $19 million than a $19 million car. How would you even insure that? I don't know. But the problem with getting gifts like this is how do you top it next year? Uh, do you buy the 2021 Bugatti? I don't know. But you would always have to try to top that and think, how do I surprise that person even more? Well, today, as I've already mentioned, we're going to talk about the perfect Christmas gift. And it's the greatest Christmas gift that has ever been given. In Ephesians chapter 2 that we're going to look at in just a moment, we're going to see what really is a Christmas story. You know, what I love about the Bible is no matter where you go, you can find the Christmas story. Because the Christmas story is all about who? Let's try that. The Christmas story is all about who? Jesus. Jesus. And when you look in the Bible from beginning to end, the whole story is about Jesus. So in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to see what the Christmas story, what this great gift is all about. So look with me, if you would, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too are all, previ all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. Hold it right there a second. Notice what he's saying. Here's how you were in your life. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You lived according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of darkness. What he is saying is you lived a life that was completely opposite of what God wanted for you. You lived in rebellion to God in your life. But notice what he says at the beginning of verse 4. Notice the next two words. But God. I want to tell you, anytime you see those words in Scripture, those are great words. But God. You were living this way. You were living a life in rebellion against God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time, for us to do. Now I want you to notice what he says in verse 8. At the end of verse 8, for it is God's gift. God's gift to us. That while we were living separated from him, that God loved us so much that he gave us that perfect gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why is this season so special to us? Because of that right there. Because God so loved the world that he gave. Over the years, I can remember some amazing gifts that I received at Christmas time. Some things that uh, surprised me that I never dreamed that I would get, but I got it at Christmas time. And those gifts are still in my memory. But can I tell you today, the greatest gift that I ever received is when I opened up my heart to Jesus Christ and by faith came to him and God saved me. That is the greatest gift that we can receive. The gift of Jesus Christ. You know, people are different when it comes to gifts. 
We're going to find out who these people are as well. Some people like to slowly unwrap that present. You know, you sit there and you watch them and you're like, would you get after it? But they're just slowly tearing it apart. It's like they're saving that wrapping paper in case they need to use it for next year. How many of you are like that? How many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? We all know somebody like that. Just slowly dig into it. But some people, more like me, just really want to get in there and see what's inside that wrapping paper. I want to tear into it. I want to get to the gift. And so I'll tear it apart as quick as I can. I don't care about the paper. I don't care about the box it's in. I want to get to the gift. Now, no matter which way you are, the reality is that in order to get to the gift, you have to receive it. You have to open it. You have to take that gift. And that's the way it is with the gift that God has given us. He is freely given, but we must receive the gift that he has given. I also find it amazing how many times in Scripture that the Bible refers to Jesus Christ as the gift of God. Jesus himself referred to this when he was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And he said these words to her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, oh, if you only knew the gift of God, if you only understood the gift of God. Paul talks about salvation as the gift of God again and again as he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 6.23, he says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have a choice, either the wages of sin, either death and separation from God, or you can receive the free gift of God that he has given to us. Then in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul begins to express his gratitude for what God has done. And he says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And he means by that word unspeakable two things. Number one, he means that the gift of God is so wonderful and so precious, so great, that it is indescribable. I want to tell you, we tried to describe God's love to others, but until someone receives it, to themselves. They really can't get a handle on what it is. God's love is an indescribable love. And I believe that one day when we get to heaven, we're going to say, wow, we never even came close to understanding what God's love was really all about. It's so amazing. It's indescribable, but not just indescribable. It is also priceless. It means that you cannot put a dollar value on it. All of the money spent on Christmas gifts combined cannot even begin to be compared to the priceless gift of God when he gave us his son. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, that it is a gift of God, a priceless, indescribable gift. Well, we're going to do our best to describe it this morning. I want you to think of this perfect Christmas gift, and I want you to see a couple of things in our passage this morning. The first thing that we need to notice is the need for this gift in our lives. The need for this gift. Why did God send his son into the world? Paul said, for by grace you've been saved. And I don't think anyone can improve on that traditional expression or definition of the word grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor to man. What does that mean? It's very simple. God did not have to love me, but he chose to. And when I think of my life and I know myself and I look at myself, sometimes I even question and say, God, how can you love me? God, why do you love me? God didn't have to love me. And guess what? He didn't have to love you either. And God did not have to send his son into this world to die for me and to die for you. He didn't have to do that, but God chose to do that out of his love for us. That God chose to send his son to die on a cross for me and to die on it for you. We didn't deserve it, but God chose out of his love for us to make this offer to us. Now notice what he says in verses 1 and 2. He says that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. 
in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Satan. When you're separated from God, you're living according to the ways of the enemy, which is Satan. And that's the way that you were living your life. You know, when sin came into the world, sin caused a separation between man and God. And that separation is known as death. It is a spiritual death that we are separated from him. And when our physical death happens, if we are still separated from him, we will die and we will go into an eternity without him in a place called hell. We are separated from him because of the way that we were. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. And because of this, that is our need for this gift. God looked down and he saw this separation. But he loves us so much that he didn't want the separation. He wants us to be restored in that relationship with him. And in order for that relationship to be restored with him, there had to be a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was the gift that he gave through his son, Jesus Christ. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. For God so loved That even in our darkest condition, even in our separation from him, he loved us so much that he sent his son. And when you think about that, the hottest place in hell was too good for me and too good for you. But God loved us and by his grace, he reached down and he offered us a free gift of grace. Grace is that which attracts a person to someone who is unattractable. And what's being described in the first part of this passage is how unattractable we were because of the way that we were living, that sin that separated us from God. And I want you to know this Christmas season, whether you get anything else out of this today, know this, God loves you. No matter how you feel today, no matter what you're thinking about yourself today, God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave the perfect Christmas gift in his son, Jesus Christ. He said, I don't want our relationship to be separated. And I'm going to make a way for that relationship to be restored. And he gave us his son to be the payment for our sins. The love of God is so indescribable. It is so priceless. Do we recognize that today? When we recognize how much he loves us, how can we not, in turn, love him? The gift that he gave. Notice also that there's a cost to this gift. Notice what he says in verse 5. He says that God made us alive in Christ. And in verse 6, that he raised us up with him. How did God make us alive in Christ? What is the cost of this gift? How are we made alive with him? When Christ died on the cross for us, he took all of our sins, all of our transgressions, all of that that separates us from God, he took to the cross with him. And that's great news for us today. Here's what that means. He died for our sins, our past, our present, and our future sins. He died for everything. He knew what we would do. You know, sometimes we're surprised about some of the stuff we do and say, God, I didn't see that coming. Well, God did. And that's why he gave us his son. And his son went to the cross and he paid the price for all of those sins. And I pray this morning that each one of us understands the cost of this gift that was given to us. It cost God's son his very life. God gave. Christ gave. And he paid it all. When he went to the cross, he paid for all of your sins, all of my sins, that we would ever commit or ever have committed or will commit in the future. It is God's gift. It has already been paid for. You know, if I come and give you a gift today, it would be silly for you to try to pay for that gift. That would make it not a gift, right? And yet so many people don't understand what receiving this free gift of God means. They try to pay for their salvation. They try to earn their salvation. They say, if I do the right things, then somehow I will earn my way into heaven. 
If I live the right way, somehow I can pay for this salvation myself. Let me remind you today that salvation was already paid for. It was paid for over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary when Jesus Christ shed his blood for you and me. It's a paid for gift. And all we have to do is receive it. Not by works, lest any man should boast. If you could pay for it yourself, that means that one day you could get to heaven and you could stand up and say, look what I did. I made it. You know what's going to happen? We're going to get to heaven and we're going to say, look what he did. He paid it. That's why I think the greatest Christmas song that we can sing is Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The perfect Christmas gift. The greatest Christmas gift at all times. Paid for by Jesus Christ himself. Oh, the cost of this gift. The blood of Jesus Christ. God's only begotten son. And that is why the Bible again says, not by anything that man can do, so that man cannot boast. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. The cost of this gift. An infinite cost. You know, we look at this gift and we say this gift is free, but I want to tell you, this gift came at a high cost. Jesus Christ, death on the cross. And when we receive this gift, he begins to work in us and our life is changed because of the free gift of God. Now notice the condition of this gift. He goes on to say that you are saved through faith. The condition of this gift is simply receiving by faith. If I were to offer you a gift this morning, and I were to say all you got to do is come down here to the front, receive this gift, and it is yours, no cost to you, you just have to, by faith, take this gift, what would you have to do? You would have to reach out with your hands and receive the gift. Now, with the gift of God, we don't reach out with our hands, but we do reach out with our heart, and we reach out in faith. And we simply say by faith, God, today I receive the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving me this wonderful gift. That's how it is done. It is done by faith. But how do you describe faith? What what is faith? Well, let me give you a couple of illustrations this morning that maybe will help us when it comes to the faith thing. If you're driving down the road and you come up to an overpass and you're fixing to cross over the bridge, how many of you stop your car, get out, walk underneath that bridge and look and make sure that the engineers designed it right, make sure that the guys that built it built it right, and make sure that it's going to hold up your car? How many of you do that? Probably nobody. If you do, we need to talk after the service. We have some help for you. We drive over that bridge by what? By faith trusting that it's going to hold up our car, right? What about getting on an airplane? We go and we get on an airplane. How many of you go out and check the tire pressures on on that plane before you get on? You ever think about that, the tire? You know how fast that plane is running down that that runway? And what kind of tires are must? I don't even know what kind of pressure they must keep in the tires. But how many of us go and check the tire pressure, make sure it's right? What about landing on those tires? Want to make sure the tire's good. How many of you get out and check and make sure that the guys that filled up the, uh, the gas tank, whatever they put in the plane, on there to make sure it would fly, make sure they have enough fuel? How many of you check the fuel level? How many of you go up to the cockpit and ask the pilot to see his credentials to make sure that he is really qualified to fly that plane? We don't do any of that stuff. We go in, we sit down, we buckle up, and we trust that everything is taken care of to get us to our destination. Why do we have a problem trusting the creator of the universe who created all the things around us, who created each one of us, and we look around this place, and I don't know if you've looked around and noticed, but we all look different. Some of you are glad for that, right? But even if we look the same, we all have different personalities. We act different. We're all created different. We're all created as unique individuals. God himself did that. And if he could do all of that, how come we can't trust him with our final destination, which is heaven? By faith, 
we trust. By faith, we believe that God gave us his son, gave us that greatest Christmas gift, and we can trust that that is enough. By faith, we can come to him and receive this gift, knowing that God has prepared a way for us to be in relationship with him, not just for now, but for all of eternity. All we have to do is open up our heart and trust and receive the gift. What are the contents of the gift? What is really in the gift? Well, I want, to know, want you to notice what we'll be receiving. We looked at all these different things, but what is it that we receive in the gift? Notice what he says again in verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith, the gift of God. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works. There's benefits to this gift. There's things that we receive when we receive this gift. He said in verse 6 that he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. There's benefits to the gift. What are the contents of the gift? Well, the best way I think I can describe that today is by telling you a little story of a young boy who grew up in the north. He was on a very cold Day, probably a day kind of like we have today here. Very cold. And he went to a police officer and he said, Sir, do you know a place where I can go and I can warm up and maybe get fed? I about froze to death last night. Police officer said, Yes, I do. There's a mission down the road. And he gave him directions to the mission. He said, Now, when you get there, there's a password that you have to have to get in. The little boy said, well, what's the password? And the police officer said, John 3, 16. Little boy makes his way down the road, and he finds the the mission house that the police officer told him about. Big, nice, two-story house, and he goes up, and he knocks on the door. And he hears a voice on the other side, and the young boy says, John 3, 16. And the door opened, and the young boy walked in, and he said, I don't know what John 3, 16 is, but I know it'll open the door. As he's standing there, the man looks at him and says, Son, you look cold. He said, Yes, sir, I'm very cold. I'm about to freeze to death. And the man takes him into a room where there's a big roaring fire. And he says, Son, sit down in front of that fire, prop your feet up, and stay there till you're warm all throughout. And the boy did. And as he sat there, he thought, I don't know what John 3.16 is, but I know it'll warm a little boy up. The man came in and he said, Son, you look hungry. And he said, Yes, sir, I... Don't know when I had a, a good meal. The man took him into another room where there was a, a big table with the full spread, had turkey and dressing and all the other things that you could ever want for a Christmas meal. He set the little boy down and set him six inches away from the table and he said, Son, I want you to sit here and eat till your stomach touches the table. You make sure that you're full. And the boy did, had the best meal that he'd ever had. He said, I don't know what John 3.16 is, but it'll fill a hungry boy up man came in, he said, son, you look dirty, you look like you need a bath. And he said, yes, sir, I could use a good bath. man took him up where there was a nice warm bath, and he said, son, you get in and you clean yourself up, stay in there as long as you want. When the little boy got out, he was all clean. He said, I don't know what John 3.16 is, but it'll clean a dirty boy up. man came in, he said, son, you look tired. He said, yes, I'm very tired. Took him into another room where there was a nice, big, comfortable bed, clean sheets, a big, comfortable blanket. And the boy crawled in bed, and he said, Son, you just stay in here and sleep until you're all rested up. The boy slept till late the next day, and he got up, and he said, Boy, I don't know what John 3.16 is, but it'll make a, a tired boy rested. He went downstairs, and he was talking to the man, and the man began to explain to him what John 3.16 is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the boy received Christ as his Lord and Savior. Today, if you don't know what John 3.16 is, what you need to know is that it'll open the door. It'll open the door to salvation for you. And here's the great thing. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come in. 
You don't have to fill yourself up before you come in. You don't have to change yourself any way at all. All you do is come to the door by John 3.16, by faith, receiving what God sent to this world, his one and only son, the free gift for us, and say, today I receive. And that door will be opened, and you'll come in, and you'll be filled, you'll be fed, you'll be cleaned. God will take care of it all. I don't know about you, but to me, that is the greatest gift we could ever receive. God's gift to us. The question is, have you by faith received God's gift in your life? Have you by faith said, I accept God? Maybe I don't understand it all. And you don't have to understand it all today. Just like that boy, you come in and you knock on the door. And that door will be open. And you'll be invited in and and God will begin to show you all these things. The greatest gift. Maybe you've received that gift and you know that you've accepted that gift and you're excited about that. Man, we have a wonderful opportunity through this Christmas season to share that gift with others. To let others know that here's the greatest gift you could ever receive. I don't care what presents are underneath the tree. I don't care how much money you spend. If we miss the perfect gift, the greatest gift, we miss it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for this reminder during this season of how much you love us. God, I thank you today that we can come to you just as we are, tired, hungry, dirty, it does not matter, that, God, we can come to the door and you will let us in. God, thank you that while we were separated from you, while we were so far from you, and maybe you weren't even a thought on our mind, that we were on your mind, and that you gave us that perfect gift, your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for anyone here today who has not received that gift, that today would be the day of salvation. That today they would open up their heart to you by faith and receive the free gift that you offer. God, I thank you today that even in a world around us that we don't understand at times, that even when there's people around us that we don't understand, we thank you that your love covers the entire world and that whoever would believe in you and trust in you, would have this gift. So God, help us to be quick to share, quick to show others how they can have what we have. God, we love you and we thank you that you first loved us. And we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray today. Amen.